0: Hey yo, uh, welcome back to the High Kicks podcast. We got a little bit of a special this week, doubling up on episodes. Um we have a very special guest. Dion Von Moltke is here. And did I get your last name right?
1: Man, you freaking nailed it.
0: Let's hey, go. Uh, <laughs> um so really, really, really awesome thing um about Dion and just what what he did for for us and just how this all came about. Um I was in the car going to meet cousins for the first time um, because Mm -hmm. I have cousins that live in Israel and I had never met some of them before. And I get an email on my phone thinking it's like a zip recruiter thing because I'm (laughs) looking for jobs. And it says email from at the high kicks podcast at Gmail. And it's Dion asking if we want to collaborate in some form. And I'm literally just like, what? Like I was kind (laughs) of shook. I was kind of thrown off because We've had the email set up since we started this podcast and the real thing we get is like TikTok because we have a TikTok account, TikTok Riverside, and Instagram. Instagram, all like the typical other stuff. So mm-hmm. this is just really cool for us to like <laughs> have yep. you reach out and want to come on the show. So Yeah,
1: I I think it's cool for me to be on and talking with you guys and have a little bit of fun, so I'm super excited about it and appreciate that you guys, you know, even responded.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um well, I'm happy to have you on. Let's Get it going. Love it.
0: So do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, your background? Mm -hmm. um, You're a former professional race car driver, current professional race car driver. I looked you up on Wikipedia. It says you're currently racing, but I'm I'm not really sure.
1: Semi-retired. We'll call it that.
0: Okay. 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 Totally. Okay.
1: yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, really quick thousand foot level uh, background on myself. I grew up and played sports of all kinds and uh, moved around a lot And when I was, you know, middle school age. So I don't know, what is that like 11, 12, 13 in that mm-hmm. ballpark? Uh, I was living in L.A. I was actually playing soccer at the time. I was one of the better kids on the team in the county. Uh, and then we moved to Miami and all of a sudden I went from being like one of the better kids to like literally like the worst kid on the team, like bench warmer. And i was like what the <laughs> hell just happened right um, uh, and,
0: that makes sense
1: yeah right <laughs> and now looking back i'm like oh yeah obvious um yeah. and so at that time i you know, figured let's change sports uh maybe find something i'm decent at and went to to time carding and like i know motorsports is like a really weird thing in the sporting ecosystem mm-hmm. and most people don't even know how that works but you know cardings are a level of like high school sports and Within a, a year, I was competing for state championships and, and national championships and nice. a few years world championships. It's kind of worked my way up the, the traditional ladder in motorsports and was fortunate enough to have a 10-year career uh, racing professionally in most of the United States.
0: Very, nice. Very how, nice. How does one get into racing? I mean, so yeah. myself, I, I'm i a diver. I'm a dive coach. I was a collegiate diver. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit also of like a peculiar out there sport that not a lot of people think of, yeah. but I had a local pool club that had a dive team. Mm-hmm. Like I, was there a local racetrack? Was exactly. there like an easy way? Is that uh, that's how you heard yeah. about it? So
1: okay. I was really fortunate, you know, in, in there's there's local with most people start in go-karts, right? And I know we think mm-hmm. go-karts, yeah. so you think K1 speed, little indoor electric go-karts. No, these things yeah. are like hundred mile an hour, 110 mile an hour go-karts that are outdoor race okay. racetracks and i was really oh fortunate. my god oh yeah they're, they're gnarly, gonna go for they're, this. gnarly. <laughs> they're really physically uh aggressive hard things to drive and i was fortunate enough where i was living in miami and there's two tracks that are like literally parking lots one was the oh, okay. parking lot for homestead motor speedway has a go-kart track the other was in like the ghetto middle of nowhere parking lot racetrack but You had at the time, this was like 2003, 2004, so you had drivers in another, some of these names may not mean much to your audience, but like Juan Pablo Mm -hmm. Montoya, who was driving in Formula One, would go there during the off-season. You had like Tony Kanaan and Elio Castroneves, which are big IndyCar stars, would be going there. So like you're in the middle of nowhere parking lot, just happened to be this like sweet spot of talent coming out of there. Um, So there's a lot of drivers at that time. And, you know, South Florida was a pretty big spot for a lot of drivers. So I grew up racing against and karting against, you know, current IndyCar drivers like Joseph Newgarden, who's a two-time IndyCar champion, and Connor Daly, and so you just start in karting, and as you want to transition up, there's uh, these like specific racing series that are developed for kids that are okay. pretty good in karting that want to transition to race cars. And that is, oh, okay. like, a really big step. There's a very, very different... It's a big difference between karting and race cars. And you kind of go to these race yeah. series and they groom you. And you go from there, sort of. thing.
2: I can imagine how different that is. Like, um, in karting, you're talking about going... Like around 100 miles an hour but when you actually step into a race car like you can go damn near 200 so it it is a massive difference like i can imagine like even physically like
0: i heard i heard over 100 miles an hour and i'm thinking carl and i went go-karting like the last week of our time at undergrad oh it was like 30 (laughs) it was like 30 35 and we were like Felt sore after that. Like, uh, <laughs> oh my God.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, you think about it, your butt's like an inch off the floor. So, speed is a different, like, it, it, things yeah. feel a lot faster when you're that much, you know, that close to the ground. And then now you talk about cars, you're talking about 200 miles an hour. Things move a lot faster, right? And I think one of the things that people don't realize is when you think about a race car, it's actually an extremely violent environment, yeah. right? So, like, we, mm-hmm. most people think, hey, I drive a car on the streets. So I get that all the time. I get it, right? It's yeah. like our analogy, what we relate it to. I've literally seen a race team in one of the series that I was racing in uh, no joke here they put uh, raw chicken in tin foil put it in the car by the end of the race in 2 hour race that chicken was cooked through like 100% cooked through you could eat it and they did eat it right so you're talking, wow. talking about talk about G load but then you also talk about heat 140 150 degrees in in a, in a race car quite often it's it's really it's really really physical and really violent
2: I was really thinking about the force. I didn't even think about the temperature, really, because I know like the force exerted. Like, there's so many G's, especially like on your spine and everything. Mm -hmm. It it, it's definitely a complex subject to talk about. But sure,
1: and you know what's interesting, kind of relating this back to soccer, is you know I was fortunate and and went to a lot of off season kind of training centers and training camps, Mm -hmm. and I went to places like Exos, where you know they they train the German national soccer team, they Mm -hmm. train most of the NFL round one prospects and. All of these people and the, 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 every sport has very different types of athletes. Right. Um, and the, the physical sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, but like dynamic of what a a race car driver physically needs to have, you know, whether it's strength wise, whether it's endurance wise actually really aligns very closely to soccer players and more field position soccer players, right? Where there's endurance needed, but there's absolutely strength needed. Um, And they were actually the closest related sort of athlete or from an athletic profile perspective was soccer and racing, which is something I would never have thought of. So
0: I noticed that you said the word outfield player there.
1: Field Um, position player?
0: Yeah, outfield, field position, so not keepers.
1: Well, I just know a little bit less about yeah. keepers, to be completely I, honest.
0: I I was a keeper, so just I I listened and I heard that, and I would
1: imagine
0: totally. It's a lot different.
1: I would. It's imagine a lot. Endurance matters less. Explosiveness yes. matters more. Mm-hmm. For keepers. I don't know yes. if you would agree yeah. with that, right? And yeah, I, no, I, I definitely did not mean that to come across as a way of dissing goalkeepers by any means. Like I think that's a highly <laughs> athletic position. I know <laughs> that.
0: I just. I it was more of just the catching that we are different. I mean, totally. And it's totally overlooked. different. Yeah,
1: you know, it's I, like I training and everything. Yeah. It's going to
2: happen differently.
1: I talked yeah. to some of our coaches, right? So one of our, our lead goalkeeper coach on Blaze is uh, her name's Cassie Miller. She's a freaking badass, by the way. She plays currently for the uh, Kansas City Current in the NWSL. This I was looking at
0: her the other day.
1: Uh, well, she's phenomenal. One of the coolest freaking people you've ever met. Um, and a, an amazing coach, by the way, and an amazing player, obviously too. Just listen to her, like coming up and like the being overlooked, and you know, just the the access to coaching, access to training from the goalkeeper side of things. It's really interesting to me because it's such a technical position. You, I would have figured that it was, yeah. you know, very focused on and kind of kind of a critical position, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mo-
0: most of us, and this is a perfect segue into Blaze and what Blaze is, but mm-hmm. most of us as goalkeepers have some form of private trainer mm-hmm. either a trainer for your club that like works individual with the goalies and in group sessions or i know for myself i trained with um a coach named caesar barrientos who if anyone who's listened to our show since the beginning he he has been on the show um Love Caesar. he's the goalie coach at drew university and Yeah, it's a very one on one focus. Like you do things very differently. Like we break off during training and Mm -hmm. all that. Shout
2: out Navas, real quick. (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: he's he's Costa Rican, so I (laughs) model my game a lot off of Kaler Navas, even though I'm not that fast. But literally perfect segue with that do you want yeah. to just tell us a little bit more about what blaze is because you're wearing totally. a blaze shirt you've mentioned it a couple times yeah totally
1: so uh let me kind of start from the origin of like why why you've even got into this path and and, and i think it's important to know the, like the why behind the what right so mm-hmm. uh you know in, in my career i was really fortunate enough to to become a professional athlete um and, and while i was racing i always did some coaching on the side and, and i'll preface this by saying like Motorsports is a really weird little bubble in the motor in, in the sports ecosystem. Sorry, right? Like we're kind of like the uh, weird little stepchild, right? But and, and what I noticed was I feel the same
0: way about diving. <laughs>
1: exactly, you can <laughs> relate. So uh-huh. w- w- the challenges I saw in, in racing, and I've kind of became one of the top coaches in our sport, were, were really two part. One was when I went to your like local race events. Think about this, like a local high school, middle school soccer game anywhere around the mm-hmm. country. What I would be coaching was almost the exact opposite of what your like, local guru or like a YouTube guru would be coaching. When I took a step back, I'm like, why are people learning from non-quality, non-professional coaches? It usually comes down to two problems. One is accessibility. Who are those good coaches? Am I ready for them? How do I get in contact with them? And the other more major one is affordability. Good coaches are really expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that myself. Like As a coach, the only way for me to scale my coaching business was to charge more on a daily or hourly rate. And the more I charge, the less people I can afford to work with me. And now you get into this loop where only the, the, the those that have enough backing get access to the right coaching. And that makes it such a big impact in your life. Like the, the access to knowledge is huge. Mm-hmm. It's literally what allowed me to become professional. But even at the professional level, I look to some of my peers and some of them are still racing today, winning championships, had a more successful career than me. And when, when I kind of retired, I sat with them and I realized, oh, man, I have probably more talent than this person. But, man, do they have more knowledge than me. And the reason that they're successful and the difference between us at the pro ranks is knowledge. Now you imagine that at an amateur youth level. It's a much wider range. So Fair. at Blaze, what we want to do is how do you make it more affordable and accessible to learn one-on-one with world-class coaches? So we don't believe that you can go watch a, a masterclass with Steph Curry and really become a better three-point shooter. As much as I want to believe that it's <laughs> entertainment, it's not actually really helpful. So what we do at Blaze is we make it very easy to connect one-on-one with highly world, like highly curated world-class coaches. Everyone's going to be the best of the best. They've either played at the top level and proven that they can communicate at the top level or they've coached at the top level I'm talking collegiate head coaches professional coaches professional players whoever it might be and the way that it works is you essentially get linked with a dedicated coach so you sign up for plays we recommend uh, coaches to you based off of learning styles based off of position based off of systems whatever it might be you get to select your coach with them you get an intro call with your coach and you know our soccer coaches could be you know Sarah Waldmo who's a freaking you know NCAA champion, uh, NWSL team captain, you coached and, and played at the highest level, or Mike Semenza, who coached at the LA Galaxy, or you know really taught, you know high level people. You upload your film, whether it's training film, whether it's game film. They break it down with a sp- specific to you in mind. What do you? How can you improve tactically, skill based, all of that type of stuff? You get customized weekly training programs that are focused on individual skills away from team practice. What can you be working on? How does it relate back to your game? You get chat messaging with your coach. You get monthly calls with your coach. We bring in performance psychologists and nutritionists and all of that type of stuff and uh, kind of connect everyone there. But we do it for 95% less of than what it costs in person. So, for example, you get all of that $365 a year, dollar a day, essentially. You get your dedicated pro coach, you get game film coaching, tactical coaching, weekly custom training programs, all of that type of stuff. So we built it at Motorsports. We've worked with more than a thousand amateur race car drivers, seen the amazing success. Now we're really focused on launching wow. this into soccer. Hopefully that makes sense.
2: A hundred percent. I'm really interested in that, actually, especially because you were able to do it so much so in a smaller sport such as karting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting to me. Um, I'm. I wish you the best in this. Honestly, <laughs> this is honestly a great idea. It's a more affordable way of actually providing a better service to people who are looking to actually improve themselves in terms of athletics.
1: For sure. Definitely Have more you, affordable, but still really quality. Right. And I think that's exactly when you look at individual coaching in a team based sport, there's always this dynamic of how do you make sure it's not um, against what your team head coach wants or the systems you're playing. And that's where the personalization of our coaches being able to understand what do you, what do you need in a team based system? And then how do we come in and sort of scale your team's head coach? Because the the secret is, when I moved to Miami and and I mentioned I started sucking at soccer, it's not like I just (laughs) lost on my talent. For sure, I was playing against better kids, right? But I didn't even know, like, what do I need to do to improve? Like, training outside of team practice wasn't even on my radar. And the expectation was your team's head coach is the the one that's focusing on you and the skills you need to improve. And they're going to be the ones... That's not how it actually works, right? Your team's head coach is focused on tactics, what's going to improve the whole team. They don't have the time to review your games, to focus on your skills and all that type of stuff. Um, And that's really – so it's like how do you scale that? How do you come in and and supplement that? And that's really what we're trying to do here.
0: So I know we mostly talk about footy on this podcast, but I (laughs) – I, I've got a background in a bunch of different sports that I've played. Mm-hmm. Have you thought or is it in the works to venture this into a sport like baseball? 1,000%.
1: You know What we're focused on is anywhere that learning happens, you have the yeah. same problem. So mm-hmm. I would say, hey, we're not building a motorsports coaching platform. We're not You're even building a really, coaching platform. Yeah, we're not even building a sports coaching platform. What we're building here will work in things like uh, dance, arts, music. I've had surgeons reach out to us. I had dating coaches reach out to us. I didn't know that was actually even a real thing. Like, I thought that was just <laughs> the movie Hitch. And that was a – so it, dog <laughs> trainers, right? So, like, I, I think the, the idea for this platform is make it scalable. But we're not doing too much at once. Like, we really care yeah. about quality. Yeah. And that's why it's mm-hmm. like, today it's soccer. How do we get how do we get this right? Uh, and the right coaches, the right players, the right format and then yes we'll scale into to additional sports.
0: Yeah. I bring up baseball just because it's a very like minute detail biomechanic based. You can do a lot of like slow motion point by point video breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um just yep. a thought but totally. what you guys are doing is awesome and just <laughs> looking at the the range of soccer coaches, football coaches and The the inclusivity of just lots Mm -hmm. of men, lots of women, all qualified, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's something that I really wish could have been available to me, I think, mm -hmm. at my athletic time because um, I'm past that now. (laughs) Yeah. It's never too
1: late. If you think about it, my average customer, so I'm I'm actually a coach on Blaze. So, yes, I run the company. I'm founder. I'm CEO. Mm -hmm. But I still coach on it my average customer is a race car driver that's 55 years old that's doing it for fun right so where our goal is you know in soccer it's definitely more focused on on youth athletes because it's a more of a youth based mm-hmm. sport for sure there are rec leagues and, and more adult leagues of course. but you know if you if we if you ever take up one of those we can link it with your coaches or if you pick up a sport like a a tennis or a golf or something like that more the adult uh, kind of later in life sports you, we're we're, actually, we're absolutely there to help you as well but Perfect. one of the things I, I did want to talk a lot about, uh, talk about was when, when you guys played you know earlier in your career, how was video and like, you know, programs like Huddle or VO, was that heavily used for, for either of you uh, when you were playing? Or is it you kind of you predated that a little bit?
2: So for you me, I. First? yeah i'll go first so i swam and did lacrosse so in terms of swimming uh huddle was not used at all but in terms of lacrosse we used huddle for every single game Mm -hmm. and then we went through film uh we drew stuff up we made sure that we knew uh certain tactics that they would try to do and then try to develop from there Mm -hmm. but it was never really personalized Mm -hmm. like of course we had access to it so everyone would look through their own film and just take looks here and there just to see Mm -hmm. but no one would go through all the film it's a it's a lot of film for
1: sure how about you brian
0: So for me, I I grew up playing literally everything you could name under the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I played football, like American football, as a little kid, all the way back fifth grade, sixth grade, we had film sessions. Mm -hmm. We would sit down in the locker room and get yelled at by our coaches (laughs) about things that high school athletes make mistakes on. And we were 10. Um so Which, by we, the way, we had... that's
1: not good coaching. <laughs> no. I'm just gonna call no. that out there. <laughs>
0: oh, I, I knew it wasn't good coaching. Yeah. That, let's just say there's a reason I didn't stick with that sport. Mm-hmm. Um baseball didn't really have a lot of film for analyzing games, but I had like a pitching coach when I was younger, mm-hmm. and he would film me and break stuff down with me, and that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um the only film I had for um my soccer days were my dad recording me for making, um, highlight videos. Yep. But I've been into the whole content and editing thing. So I edited my own recruiting (laughs) clips. Amazing. So I inadvertently had footage and I could break down the stuff that I like was doing. Yeah. Um, the biggest one though is diving Mm -hmm. diving is very, very, very video based. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, my yeah. my club days we had a digital camera set up plugged into a tv for tivoing and your coach would come over and watch it with you and break it down and rewind it immediately after a dive if they needed to mm-hmm. uh same thing in college that that is a very like you can pick so many things out from video in that sport mm-hmm. and the one-on-one coaching like my my college coach would break everything down be incredibly nice He was like our campus dad Mm -hmm. proper kind of coaching um so yeah really just baseball for breakdowns young football for horrendous coaching styles (laughs) and then just diving because it's how the sport has always worked and i edited my own soccer clips
1: that's awesome you know it it leads in the the reason i asked that question is because you know one of the questions that we get a lot of from parents are like well how the hell do you teach, teach my kid when they're not there in person right like How do you do this online? You can't do this online. But one of the really interesting things is if you go to professional sports, and it doesn't matter what sport, and I'm talking specific to soccer, how do we think they actually learn at the professional level? It's almost all video analysis, right? They Mm -hmm. record every practice. They record every game. And and the way that coaching should work, and by the way, uh, for anyone that is struggling with uh, maybe not the greatest coach in person or not knowing if they have a great coach, there's a stat that, five percent of youth coaches have any relevant training five percent have any relevant training so the chance i'm happy
0: to say i'm in that five percent for one amazing, of my sports amazing I'm right properly that's trained really to be a dive coach it's, and it's, it's, inc- really it's incredibly accurate, accurate.
1: right it, it, what what blows my mind here is like think about uh, roles in a kid's life or anyone's life where it's a high impact role like A coach is about as high impact as a role in someone's life as it gets. The problem is it's like, it's going to make a really positive or negative impact, Yeah. right? So how do we get higher quality coaches? Sort of a mission of ours is our coaches help. We help them earn more money, which will then hopefully grow the amount of good coaches in our sport, make it more attractive. And now we can really kind of change that model because that's just ridiculous. 5% of like, not even talk about world-class coaches or 5%, like just any training
0: but so yeah. mo- most youth coaches I've had experience with um, don't really know what they're doing. No, and, and they're nothing. also busy,
1: right? They're they they don't, yeah. Know, yeah. They're, they don't know what they're doing. It doesn't pay a lot of money, so you're not attracting really high quality people that really care. But also, it's not their full time job. Most of the time, they're also having to teach exactly. math and look after sixty kids. And so I, I don't want want to come this across like a super negative on them. It's just a lot of times they're that's just an extra thing they do exactly. on the side, yeah. right?
0: If you're a good, knowledgeable youth coach, there's a chance and a probability that you maybe shouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time as a youth coach. That's something I've always thought.
1: 1000%. Right. Definitely the latter doesn't incentivize that. Right. So, but you know, bringing this back to this conversation of like, you know, the typical, how the hell do you coach my kids, you know, through video? It's what's done in the professional ranks. Right. It's like when you look at uh, an NWSL practice or a pro practice, the, the way that we always kind of talk about it is when you're practicing on the field, that's not the time to coach. That's the time yeah. to remind the coaching topics that were handled in the film room away from the field, away from the emotions, the anxiety, the, 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 the stress that the game puts on you. Right. So it's reminder based during practices and how coaching works at the professional level, how I coach professional race car drivers. How I would coach you know, professional soccer players, how our coaches work, and how they work in with their own teams—it's all video-based, where you can really show someone specifically what they're doing, specifically the changes you want to make, and be able to, you know, use that slow-motion video, like you talked about in diving. And I think, you know, there's certain sports that are ahead of the curve here. Diving is definitely one of those. Uh, I would say, funny enough, racing is one of those because sitting right seat doesn't really work. It's that, that's that's dangerous. Um, so we're forced to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and people do it and people have been killed doing it. So I said, never again. Right. So I think all sports and, and soccer is probably behind the curve a little bit here on the youth levels on how do you leverage this and the knowledge behind it. But I just wanted to touch base on that to learn, you know, how did you guys grow up? Cause I didn't have film at all until I reached the yeah. pro ranks. And now I'm learning wait, no, that's just how, how it's taught at the professional level. There's not even a debate around it. It's just, that's the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Film, film is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if you're from my perspective of playing all the sports I've played and whatever, um I don't think I mean when I coach my kids win up with whatever they do when they're older film will be a part of it. Yeah. Whether it's their film or somebody else's film mm-hmm.
2: You don't I get kn- better if you don't have something to like influence off of. Yeah. And especially
0: like as a coach, I know body mechanics and I know how things are supposed to go. But I might not be able to show you exactly how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I can exactly. bring up a clip of somebody doing it perfectly mm-hmm. and break it down point by point for you or them or whoever I'm teaching. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, And you could do it. In, and important to me as well as you do it in the right environment. So Mm -hmm. think about youth sports, especially in practice, when you're in front of your peers is one of the worst times to be coached, right? Because think about like, let's try to put ourselves back in those high school, middle school days there's a lot of other social dynamics going on in practice mm-hmm. you don't want to look like an idiot you don't want to be that person you want to you know you got to be careful about it you know there's so many other mental things that don't allow you to absorb information cuz anxiety's high so that analysis in the one to one ecosystem away from that pressure that anxiety that social dynamics allows someone to soak in the information in a way in an environment that they really can actually absorb it uh it surprises me that that's not really talked about because it's like such an obvious thing to me that kids kind of care about other things at that age yeah which makes it tough for sure
2: it's just weird uh a lot of kids have to focus on different things too so (laughs) it's just like
1: it is what it is at that that age yeah yeah (laughs) totally yeah makes it difficult i
0: i love the platform though i love that it It's Mm -hmm. especially affordable. Mm -hmm. I mean, three hundred and sixty-five dollars for a year for all that you say that you get. Mm -hmm. I paid well, I didn't pay because I was a middle schooler and a high school kid, (laughs) but my family my family my family paid like in like somewhere around seventy something dollars a session with my goalie trainer. Mm -hmm. Um so that's incredibly affordable because, like, private training is really expensive. I mean, I charge $50 an hour mm-hmm. as a dive coach.
1: Which, by the way, I would say you're probably, for the quality and the input you put in, you're probably even undercharging on an hourly basis there.
0: Probably. Yeah. Um, I is, work as at, a, like, uh, as yeah, coach, I work at a summer pool club, and yeah. I don't know if anybody will pay more.
1: Well, for sure. It comes down to, yeah. to the economics, right? So one of the things yeah. that we try to do is educate our coaches on the economics of things and how do you break stuff down. And well, the, the, the fortunate thing that we're able to do is we're able to charge less, but our coaches earn more money on our platform than working in person because you fragment the costs down on like more of a per mm-hmm. minute basis versus a per hour basis. And that's really how our, kind of the dynamics work. And then we also build an automation to help you stay in touch with your athlete and automate all of the small things that really suck mm-hmm. up your time Um, but make it a little bit easier, but you nailed it, right? Like you read stories all the time of families spending. I mean, honestly, $10,000 a year on coaching doesn't like it's not a ridiculous amount for some families to be spending. And I know that sounds completely nuts, right? But even no, but a lot of people do it. Yeah, totally. And it, it is going to be the thing that makes the biggest impact early on. It's, there are, there's definitely a talent aspect of sports. I don't want to diminish that, but most sports are, you can learn, most sports are skill-based and there's mm-hmm. ways that you teach skill-based. And if you have, you know, I always talk about like the, the formula for performance is really proper planning plus proper preparation plus execution equals performance. And if you have someone that lays out, here's the plan, here's how we're going to get here. Here's the preparation. Here's exactly what we're going to do here. How do you execute, right? What's the timing? How did what's pregame routine? What is all of that? Because I was never taught any of that. If you do these three things and the sub routines to them, it's all relatively basic information. It's not easy to do. It takes consistency, but you're going to get better, and you're going to have a massive advantage over those that don't have a plan or don't have preparation that just rely on pure talent. Then it's a crapshoot, and you might have a little bit of talent, but it's not going to take you very far if you don't supplement it with the right kind of plan of attack and the right skill building exercise.
0: Yeah, that I've known so many of those kids who are just uber talented, who don't pan out. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. And and the, the problem there as well is when you rely on just your talent and you get into those stressful moments of the game or the stressful uh, moments of whatever sport you're playing. Most of the time, if you don't supplement talent with technique, you break down, right? And, and you start to lose it a little bit mentally, physically, mm-hmm. everything, all of the skills break down. So even those with great talent, I know we always like to say, like, this person made it there just because they're talented. I don't know any professional athlete that got to pros just by being talented. For sure, it helped yeah. them, but they had some level of skill to be able to rely on in those critical moments, right? Um, and that, that's, I think, the, the, the critical thing here is how do you build skills? And I think a lot of people think about it as like this, like, you got it or you don't, which is the farthest thing from the rea- from reality.
2: Everyone can yeah. learn. Every day you can learn yeah. new things. So I'm
0: I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, I have one of my teammates at from school just won nationals mm-hmm. for um amazing. 3 meter diving. She she was a gymnast before, but she started diving her sophomore year of college. Wow. That's And amazing. she won nationals in her 5th year because extra years and all yep. that stuff. Wow. Like, That's so freaking cool. Yeah. Like you, anybody can. I had a teammate who ran track, who started diving, who was very good. Like anybody with the proper coaching and the right mindset can learn almost any sport.
1: Yeah. 100% right. Yeah. 100% right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and it t- t- takes time. And I think one of the problems as well is, you know, people look at the pros and just assume they're always good. Like, that's not the case. We all sucked at some point. Like I, my first race was my first time ever in the rain. I spun out three times to finish dead freaking last. Right. Like I, you you never (laughs) see those people when they suck. And I think that's one of the uh, the problems in sports or or anything, whether it's performance based.
2: Takes the grind. You can't just expect to get it.
1: Yeah, totally. But the grind's fun if you did it right. If you have the right people, exactly. the right plan, you know why you're doing it, then the grind's fun. When you don't have the why and the how, and you're just kind of grinding away, you're not seeing improvements, that's where it sucks. And like I know that exactly. we all talk about like, youth sport participation dropping off. I'm a big believer that a lot of it comes down to crap coaching. Because um, if you don't have the right coaching, you're not improving. And if you're not improving, no, you're not having fun, right? Like it I also comes
0: nothing. down to one other thing. What's that? It's so expensive to play in so many of these youth leagues. Very true. That, like, it's being priced out. But for sure.
1: I I definitely do come across like it's just one thing. It's not just one thing.
0: I do do agree, though, when it comes to like local town Mm -hmm. youth sports, because a lot of times those expensive clubs do have some pretty good coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time, the youth sports, it comes down to when parents can't coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that that drives kids out. I mean, I I know so many friends that quit playing baseball because they couldn't do what their parent coaches.
1: And I'm sorry, like even if your dad was like Michael freaking Jordan, you're not learning from your dad. Like I don't care how yes. good of a coach they are. Just there's certain dynamics. Like I'm mm-hmm. a race car driver coach. There's no way in hell I could coach my wife to drive a car. Just wouldn't. There's a, there's yeah. a dynamic there that just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. There <laughs>
0: there is a interesting. I'm um, it's really interesting you brought that up. Just. So one of the kids on my team um, when I was in seventh grade, my dad was my coach growing up. Um, wow. <laughs> and fortunately, he was also what, like he knew what he was doing with baseball. Awesome. He knew mechanics. He was one of the few who could coach. But when I was in eighth grade, one of my teammates, um, he was the number two overall draft pick in the MLB two years ago. It's um, wow. so cool. His dad was a former baseball player. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you could see the mechanics coming off of mm-hmm. that. You could see that his dad had taught him. Yeah, like and that's, it, it. That's such it's an interesting rare.
1: thing, right? So there's, yeah. we, we work with this performance psychologist and uh, a group of performance psychologists did the study uh, somewhat recently, a couple of years ago on like the kids of pro players that then go pro themselves. Is it genetics or is it something else? And I think it's
0: both. Yeah. So
1: what they actually found resoundingly is genetics had very little to do with it the the biggest thing that that they were able to to come across right because those parents have the same genetics and they were first first time professional athletes for the most part yeah the the real answer is the kids were surrounded by how to do it surrounded by people day after day where they got to just visually see this is how you do it this is how things are done and most of those professional athletes were decently well off so they're able to surround those kids with the right coaches, the right yeah. influence, the right teaching, and that's yep. actually what led them to 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 sort yep. of the life that they led themselves. So very little to do with genetics. Definitely, you can't say zero percent. Yeah. But predominantly, it was the lifestyle they lived and and the it, surrounding themselves with how it's done. That was the thing that you know I look back at at my career and you know I was a first time professional athlete. Even when I made it to the pros, the, the team that I dro- uh, drove for, they were sort of a relatively new team there. There weren't a lot of other drivers that I could learn from. So, and when you get to pro, pro levels, like you've got to come in and, and you think you've got to act a certain way. You think you've got to be like, I'm the man. I know what I'm doing. I don't need help. Like I'm the pro. Cause if it's like, if you're seen in racing, getting coached and it's a weird sport where there's less coaching involved, you, you you're like, well, then the team might be like, well, why are we hiring this guy? If he needs help, right? We can just hire that person. And when I took a step back and I talked to a friend of mine who's still racing, his dad was a professional driver. And when he came up the ranks, he joined a team that was established, championship winning, had older teammates he learned from. And I was, the the way, the the, the depth of his knowledge was just so much different than the depth of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and how he, you know, in how he talked and communicated and thought about like the setup of the race car and different driving styles and what he does in these situations. I was like learning from him, right? Um and it's that just association of knowledge and seeing how to interact, the questions to ask, the how to think about it, how to be in between games. That's a huge part of the equation that like you don't know unless you're surrounded by the right people. Um and it 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 goes on all the day. I was having lunch the other day with someone that's consulting with us that played 11 years in the NFL and was a coach in the NFL and now is a movement specialist and foundation specialist for a lot of NFL players. And he sees it all the time where players show up into the league. Technically, they're great. They move well. Their skills are, are great. But they have no clue what it means to be a professional. They don't know the, the subtle details, how to communicate, how to be in between games, what to, how to approach pregame. Right? You hear about how many pro players you hear about like, Eating gummy worms and and like getting rah-rah before a game, which is the opposite of what you want to be doing. So there's just so much knowledge of how to perform that's out there. Yeah. The science starts. Or to really in relax, certain cases,
2: I feel like with the gummy bears it. and stuff, like that that's just for fun at certain points. Like Marshawn Lynch with like the Skittles and everything. Like
1: there's definitely some that do it for fun, but there's some that just have no clue, right? Like don't know like what proper like there's a group of the pro athletes, and I'm not a group, there's a lot of pro athletes that haven't been taught properly along the way of things like the 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 mental state of performance right like how many times do you see someone be taught like you want to get jacked up before the game and you've got to listen to this intense music and it's about getting you know seating and jumping around which is like actual performance the the actual zone the how you find that mental state is actually the complete opposite and, and yep. when you start to get to that you have something called mental economy right and that, that you stress To reach the zone, your heart rate's higher up at that zone, which then stresses the body more, which then you lose focus earlier in games or earlier in races or whatever you're doing, right? So there's all of this science that is out there, but unless you're like, I didn't know about any of this until I was starting to get to the pro level. So it wasn't taught in youth sports or even at most, if you get into the top collegiate programs, it's starting to be taught there, but that's like the entry level of where you normally get to this type of stuff.
0: It's really funny. I, I was taught about that that state, not like in the sense of athletic performance, but mm-hmm. in like business performance or whatever. In my mm-hmm. MBA program last year, mm-hmm. we just we we called it flow state. Yep. Um, Just kind of where you're fully in the zone where you're where everything's kind of just you don't think it's kind of i mean I'm gonna get really anime nerdy here with this but I just saw the new dragon Ball movie so it's kind of Bro, like oh
2: I need it, to see that
0: it's good it's kind of like an ultra instinct but like <laughs> yeah. you just you're just Everything happens and Did you, you to react that, to it Brian? without thinking. Yeah, sorry, Carl. It's great. It's great. Yeah, Dion, if you if that's anywhere up your alley. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's it's I'm great. I saw the movie with my friends the other day.
1: I'll check it out for sure, man. Yeah, no, totally. I think you're you're spot on there. And actually, one of the best interviews that I've heard about someone that's a high performer talking about their how they get to the performance state. Are you guys familiar with the comedian Hassan Minaj by any chance? Yes. So yes. He has a great interview. It was on a, a He's podcast. hysterical. He's a, one of my favorite comedians. He's, he's phenomenal. He did a, a podcast with a podcast called My First Million, which is like a business podcast. It's like fun. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he reaches his flow state and went through the details. And I'm like, you guys are pr- he's an athlete. He does the same freaking things. I th- athletes do the same approach, mm-hmm. puts great words in it. Um, So I, I definitely another like clip. If you just like type in like Hasan Minhaj, like pre-show or something like that, you'll find it great example of like the right approach and it, i i think performance is performance whether it's sports something like comedy which i would never have thought of right but it yeah. makes total sense acting business you know whatever it is you can yeah, the mental
2: endurance state. and everything
1: yeah exactly like doing a two-hour show solo and having the right energy for that amount of time that's got to be taxing
0: oh yeah oh <laughs> i like yeah. to talk and i ramble and carl knows this i don't even think i could talk for that long Oof, I
2: yeah. work as a server, and like I, I don't want to talk to people that long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Now you have like a few thousand people eyes just on you, and it's all on you to entertain them. Like that's that's intimidating crap right there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But such is life.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just really need to reiterate, I love your platform. Like <laughs> Thanks, I, I appreciate I, it. Thanks a lot. I. I would have used it um, if you ever venture into the world of diving and you need a coach, <laughs> hit me up. Yeah, I'm going to take um, you up
1: on that offer. So be careful I'm, there because we're coming I'm, your way.
0: <laughs> I'm dead serious. Awesome. I mean, I this is my last year coaching diving, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get to do it again. Mm-hmm. My sister and I are considering like opening up a dive club, like a legitimate club team oh, at some point awesome. later on in life. Um, I i love the sport i know the sport i can mm-hmm. teach the sport i know what it takes to do well in the sport mm-hmm. um and people
1: need access to someone like you that actually knows all yeah. that information right so i'm going yes. taking up taking you up on that offer
0: absolutely awesome absolutely awesome carl i don't mm-hmm. know if you're a you, carl can teach you music I, yeah eventually I play drums
1: yeah it's it's kind of where we're going we're very focused on trying to just get the sports thing right but the the format of what works in sports will work in music too right Mm -hmm. like the it's a technical based skill that can be taught in a very similar manner um and it's like for me it's way harder than sports
0: (laughs) straight up maintain if you need a dive coach i am there i would love to (laughs) i appreciate So, dion thank you for joining no thank Um, you carl and i'll be back next week
1: absolutely thank you everyone appreciate it
0: see you guys next week
2: Finger guns, finger guns.